So I think all of y'all know that um, I had COVID and I'm actually still kind of run down. I, I'm, a, I'm well enough at the place now that that's, that's like the whole extent of it is I just feel a little run down. Um, so lots and lots of gratitude, but I can't name that without um, having this wave of compassion for everyone everywhere affected by COVID, whether ill with it themselves or um, affected by it in the world or in their families. It's just um, lots and lots to offer compassion for, overwhelming amount to offer compassion for in this world. And I have to say, um, for me, with the number of weeks that I have kind of now spent a little thick-headed, slow-thinking, cloudy, um, and in the beginning, certainly um, kind of sick, never overwhelmingly so, but, but a little sick, it's been really interesting, useful, helpful, um, um, and confirming um, to have the practice uh, um, as I move through all of this. Very, 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 very helpful. So I want to talk a little bit about practicing, um, my experience of practicing with COVID and kind of where um, knowing how to be with our practice when things are hard um, is a gift we, we want in our lives, we need in our lives. I often hear people say things like, uh, especially in the MBSR class when, when people are fairly um, newer at it, um, oh, I was too stressed to practice. When the reality is, oh my gosh, that's when we need it the most. But if we haven't um, practiced long enough yet, there is a truth to what people are saying. The practice isn't strong enough yet to be available um, in the challenges when it's hard. So the first thing I just wanna say is um, nothing like being sick for a wake up call for noticing what is good in my life right now. Um, and um, how do we claim conditions as being good enough to make sure we deepen in our practice when it's easier to get that, that foundation um, so that it's there for us when we need it, when it's harder. It's kind of like riding a bicycle. If you need um, a bicycle to get you somewhere, of course it's easier to take the bus if you haven't put in the time to learn how to actually ride a bike. <laughs> um, but once you, and, and of course that first part is, is uneasy, nerve wracking, um, um, difficult, challenging. But unless you put that time on the bike, you're never gonna be able to get where you wanna go via the bike. You're always gonna have to use something else. Um, so, so noticing good enough conditions to continue to deepen in the practice is really useful. 
And then just um, for me, the experience of being sick um, and, and the benefits of being open, um, coming back to practice again and again and again with it. There's a quote I often um, use from Thoreau, draw from Thoreau. He said, to affect the quality of the day is the highest of arts. That's the gift of this practice. We can't control most of the conditions of our day. We don't have that um, magic wand ability. What we do get to affect, however, is how we relate to it, how we are with it. And there is this powerful shift that is possible for us that the practice opens for being with difficult days. So for me with being sick, you know, I had at first a very typical reaction, not so much of a why me, I had a pretty strong <laughs> notion as to why I got it, um, but more of, I don't like this. I don't, I don't want to feel sick. I wish something were different. Uh, and right there, you know, just kind of getting, oh yeah, look what I'm doing to myself. Um, I felt sick, but I was clear enough to recognize that the orientation of not liking being sick was making, was like shooting myself with the second arrow, was making it worse. So I assume y'all all know the second arrow story, but if you don't, um, a teacher uh, says to his students, does it hurt to be shot with an arrow? And you know, they're like, yes, of course it does. And then he says, does it hurt to, shot, to be shot more with one arrow or two arrows? Well, clearly two arrows. So the first arrow is that which is beyond our control, which has already happened. I already had COVID. I already was sick. <laughs> there, was, there was no, no um, um, getting out of that reality in that moment. The second arrow was dumping on myself for being sick. Um, um, and making matters worse with then getting in a fight with not liking being sick. Uh, and I've done this practice enough. It's, it's, it gets easier and easier and easier to go, oh yeah, second arrow, there it is. <laughs> and to start to shift the perspective. And curiosity is always um, the friend. But even when you wake up to it, it's really interesting how hard it can be to turn that corner. But I don't want to be sick. There's like this clinging to the second arrow that has a physical um, urge and force. Uh, and knowing how to ride through that urge um, to still be really curious and open to what was here. Uh, it's very, very helpful. So there was the, and curiosity, you know, like, wow, look at this. Look at what's going on here. That curiosity helps, helps me um, navigate that curve, that U-turn almost even um, in a way that's very helpful. 
So getting curious about the experience, nothing particularly new came up. What did happen was a deeper embodied experience of the promise of this practice. Um, the why we do this. Um, the first part was just to recognize, yes, I did have a preference for not being sick. <laughs> it was just plain as day. Um, um, preference was clearly there. And with curiosity, I could also open to a field of no preference not trying to use my mindfulness to, to magically erase my preference because that's an equivalent of spiritual bypassing. It doesn't work that way. If I'm having, if I'm experiencing a preference, the place to begin is to start with acknowledging and have compassion um, for the grip, the non-useful, hurtful grip of having a preference for wanting things to be different. Um, um, and it is, it is a hurtful grip. I have also used this quote a lot from Byron Katie. If you fight with reality, you will lose 100% of the time. So, you know, that, that grip of preference um, is a losing, um, a losing setup. So instead of trying to make it go away, shifting to compassion, and start to open awareness to there is this other possibility. There is, even if I'm not all the way in that field beyond right or wrong, there is this other possibility of being with what's here without preference. And I can start to feel into the freedom um, of, of, and the haven and the refuge of the possibility of no preference. The more we stand in that in-between place where I can acknowledge with compassion the fact of my preference and I can acknowledge the, the potential and the possibility of what it would be like to let it go. The more I can stand right in between those two places the easier it becomes for our wisdom capacity to naturally begin to move us into the place of more sanity, of more ease. We start to just, it, the, the more we offer the possibility of standing right in that open place with acknowledgement of all that's here, the more we are wired to start to go towards health, well, wellness, well-being, and ease. Doesn't mean that my COVID naturally vanishes. It means that I learn a totally different way of being with it. And moving into that space, every time I touch into that, move into that space, it gets a little bit easier and a little bit easier to go there. And I start to, to taste, and I know all of y'all have, have tasted this at some level or another, otherwise you wouldn't still be coming back. Um, there is this different quality of opening, of trust, of faith, of patience, of compassion, acceptance, that really just begins to emerge all on its own when we allow it 
the space of our natural wisdom to arise. It does. And with practice, it gets easier and easier to navigate those kinds of turns. And I have to say, for me, when I'm really experiencing that openness in that place, um, and I'm talking very literally, you know, flat on my sofa um, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, however long it was, um, and running my low-grade fevers and feeling all achy, right in the midst of feeling sick, to know a possibility of feeling well at the same time. Um, a feeling at ease um, right in the midst of it. When I'm in that place, for me, the word mindfulness is too small of a word. Um, what comes up for me is much more um, loving awareness, loving presence, uh, some other descript that, that more captures an openness and a heart um, space to it. The interesting thing about that kind of loving of loving awareness is that we begin to sense that it doesn't it doesn't have a preference, doesn't discriminate, it doesn't care what it is that it's aware of. No preference for particular conditions. It brings the same loving sense of awareness to moments of joy, moments of happiness or ease as it does to moments of pain, to moments of sorrow, moments of illness. And really understanding that there is this part of us that has this inherent potential for loving awareness, loving presence, that's a profound shift to know that that capacity can be with us, no matter what it is that we're facing, that we have this possibility of opening to us, to it, no matter the conditions. And I have to say that's one of the reasons why in meditation practice we talk over and over and over about letting go of the notion of what my practice should look like. My ego may want those transcendent, transcendent, transcendent meditation experiences, may want those experiences of deep calm, deep ease, whatever it is, or peace that comes up. And the reality is those experiences do open up in our meditation practice when we stick with it. But loving awareness doesn't actually care whether we're having those kind of experiences or the mind is totally a mess and distracted and <clears throat> woven into a tight knot around worry and anxiety. It's just loving awareness one way or the other. I'm just going to make a little side note here. Um, there's a beautiful talk on Dharma Seed by Carol Wilson entitled Courage and Trust in Our Path. And um, that's if you want this, this expanded on for a, a longer talk, um, I highly recommend that talk. It's, it's very, very useful. 
So being sick can be a really nice way to practice with this because in some ways it can be easier for me to accept that I feel the way I feel when I'm sick than, I, than maybe some storyline when I'm meditating that I should be able to meditate my way out of whatever condition is coming up. Um, um, so, you know, learn to practice with whatever's here to make room to feel this capacity. And I just want to say that that sense of loving presence, um, it's kind of like a quiet below all the storylines of how things should be, how the world should be, how I should be. These beautiful moments of non-judgment, just as it is. So maybe in a moment, I can be really aware that my thinking mind is very foggy, is very <laughs> um, cloudy, um, and I can still have a clear, a sense of clear awareness of not being able to think clearly. So when we can start to notice those kind of nuances, then we see how different our thinking mind is from this capacity of awareness. I can be aware of a quality of thinking mind that's totally foggy. That's a beautiful confirmation to me of what people have taught for eons. That there is a practice that is possible that is totally not dependent upon conditions that are, are present. So when conditions are good, we need to take advantage of that as much as possible so that we know how to practice when conditions are hard. And then just say one last thing about being sick with COVID. It was really interesting to sit very much with that awareness of, of, you know, in this moment, this is the way I feel. And even after all these years, it's easy for my mind to pop up some idea of what practice should look like. Um, and to just notice, oh yeah, there's that notion. And the reality is I'm here. And so what is practice like here in these conditions without expectations? This example for me in COVID uh, is a relatively mild situation, um, for sure. And I've seen people do this kind of practices and sometimes even in my own life, far more challenging, difficult situations in my own life um, have felt this possibility open up in remarkably hard places and have witnessed it in remarkably hard places. And I think we need these stories to kind of understand more this path and this potential. 
So I want to end with um, just such an account, um, one that's new to me. Uh, it's a quote from a book called Thoreau's Ecstatic Witness. I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote the book, um, um, but it is available uh, as an ebook um, and phenomenally beautiful book. <clears throat> and so what it talks about is that Thoreau actually died, I didn't know this, in his early 40s of tuberculosis, uh, which is kind of a prolonged, um, difficult way to die of tuberculosis. And then the last couple of months of his life, he was cared for by his sister, Sophia. And um, the book gives some of her written accounts of um, him during that last month, um, when it was very clear he was not gonna recover, that he was dying. And so just two, two parts from her. One, one, she relates that one friend came by and said, as if by the way of consolation, um, said to him, well, Mr. Thoreau, we all must go. Henry replied, when I was a very little boy, I learned that I must die. And I set that down, meaning that as a little boy, hearing that he let that, that knowledge become wisdom, in his life um, that carried him. When I was a little boy, I learned I must die and I set that down. So of course I am not disappointed now. Death is as near to you as it is to me. Then his sister went on and said, I feel like saying that Henry was never affected never reached by it. I never before saw such a manifestation of the power of spirit over matter. Very often I heard him tell his visitors that he enjoyed existence as well as ever. He remarked to me that there was as much comfort and peace in perfect disease as in perfect health. The thought of death, he said, could not begin to trouble him. That's a profound statement. He remarked to me that there was as much comfort and peace in perfect disease as in perfect health. That's that world, that field beyond right doing and wrong doing where the world is too full to speak. So why don't we pause here and sit for a minute and just invite you to notice what's coming up for you. particularly with this idea of a possibility for as much comfort and peace and perfect disease as in perfect health.
We live in tremendously challenging times. How might the depth of this practice shift, affect your ability to be with and respond to your life and the world as it is. Thank you.